grace and peace to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Today is Wednesday, December 16th, and it's David McKinney. In today's Advent reflection, we're going to focus on love. With all that's going on around us right now, with division and vitriol and isolation, sadness, it's important to really slow down and have a moment of reflection about God and who He is and His divine nature and His character of love. After all, God is love. So we'll be taking the next few minutes to reflect on this goodness and his love for us, God's love for us, and perhaps our own response to this great love. Now, of course, since this is the time of Advent, we'll frame this look at love from the perspective that we're about to honor and celebrate how God so loved us so much that he sent his son into the world as a little baby in human form as a demonstration of the love of the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. As Dave Lomas shared in his recent sermon, there was so much love in the Godhead between the Father loving the Son and the Son loving the Father and the expression of this love through the Holy Spirit that just this very nature, who they are together, required a great love to be shared. And we became part of this shared love story, a partnership between the Godhead and man. As I reflected about love coming down, I found this poem that was made into a hymn. In this poem and song, Love Came Down at Christmas, written by Christina G. Rossetti in 1885, and here's how it goes. Love came down at Christmas, love, all lovely, love divine. Love was born at Christmas, star and angels gave the sign. Worship we the Godhead, love incarnate, love divine. Worship we our Jesus, but wherewith for sacred sign. Love shall be our token, love be yours and love be mine. Love to God and all men, love for plea and gift and sign. When I began to reflect on this gift of love coming down and found this poem, I did a little bit of research as to what the story was and the inspiration behind writing the poem. Apparently, Christina Rossetti was inspired by 1 John 4, 7 through 11, a passage that mentions love in some form or another 11 times. So we're going to take a moment to follow this inspirational thread and listen to the passage of scripture that she was inspired by. Dear friends, Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Of the 11 times that love is mentioned in this passage, this one stands out to me today. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He sent his son. Love came down to us. This is the true meaning of what we're celebrating in this season. Sacrificial love. How great is a father's love for us. As I think about how great the love is for us, it does remind me of the story in Matthew Chapter 22, 34 through 40, where it talks about Jesus in conversations with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. I'll start with this part. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Now, I think that's funny. It's sort of some, it's some sort of like weird competition. The Pharisees think, well, he shut the Sadducees up, so, but not us, baby. We're going to get those guys. Let's, let's come up with one question that will trip Jesus up. Come on, guys. What do you, what do you think? What do you think? Think about it. The story goes on. So they decide to call in their expert. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, what's the greatest commandment of the law? 
Can we imagine that moment? We got him with that question, guys. Yeah, big high fives. Yep, let's see how he deals with that really big question. But what did Jesus say? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourselves. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Hmm. Take that, Pharisees. Jesus knew there was actually a trick question, a loaded question, if you will, it is loaded because in those days, the Pharisees had counted 613 separate laws. They divided those laws into affirmative laws with 247 of them and negative laws, 365 of them, and to heavy laws like present day felonies and light laws, which you'd call misdemeanors. They spent a lot of time ranking laws, yet still considered all laws equally great because it was God who commanded them. If Jesus picked out one law greater than the others, he would be saying that the other laws were not that important. And the question is also fundamentally flawed. It shows a lack of true understanding of grace. It has legalism written all over it, and yet many Christ followers are still living their lives enslaved to this line of thinking. It makes sense under the old covenant system of obedience to laws, high priests and continual sacrifices necessary to remain in good standing with God, but has no place in the new covenant of grace. The old covenant asks, what must I do? The new covenant proclaims, look, look what Christ has done. This actually leads into Jesus's follow-up question. This very important question Jesus asks next points them to an answer that they could never really get their minds around. So let's follow where this is going. Jesus asked them, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? To which they replied, well, he'd be the son of David, right? He said to them, quoting from Psalm 110, how is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply. And from that, that day forward, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Perhaps you might find Jesus' humor in there. The question of love points to who love is. Standing right there in the middle of their blinding, legalistic mindsets and pride. You're going to ask me the big question about the most important commandment. I tell you, it's loving God and others. Then I ask you a big question about the Messiah. They could never see the answer to that one, could they? However, I think Jesus was giving them a moment to think about it. I think Jesus was giving them a chance to really pause and consider the deeper answers. Even now, considering the deeper understanding of the question makes Jesus' response all the sweeter. He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. There it is, grace, freedom. What does God want most from you? He wants you, all of you, your dreams, your desires, your fears, your struggles, your abilities. Perfectionism isn't necessary, but surrender is. May our, maybe our strongest efforts not be in trying to do enough to please God, but rather in knowing Him and loving Him. You know, the Pharisees had a backdrop of thousands of years of tradition where the Jewish people prayed these well-known words in a way of expressing, expressing their devotion to God. It's called the Shema. In Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 5, it says these words, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. As for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Jesus, the Messiah in their midst, added the second commandment, love your neighbor. The Pharisees knew and memorized the Torah. They studied the prophets, yet they didn't see how this 
like a neon sign actually pointed them to love or maybe see love standing among them. If we're commanded to love, then I suppose the follow-up question could be similar to Jesus's follow-up question. If the commandment to love is by recognizing love with us, is it possible that we've let some things get in the way of seeing that? I've had so many things get in the way of not seeing this great love in my life. I remember so vividly in my desire to follow Jesus and get everything right, I had such a feeling of condemnation all the time. I was literally driven by an unwritten legalistic law that I had to do everything right. And even as I think about it now, I have shudders of how unrelenting this perfectionism and condemnation was. If I had a wrong thought or looked at someone the wrong way, I'd go into deep remorse all the time. Now, I know none of you listening to this has a specific problem like this. When I found out that I began to experience that the love came down for me, came to ground zero of where that very part of me was trying so hard to do it right all the time and embraced me right there and said, I know you. I love you. I did it all for you. So you don't have to do it all right. Come to me, all you that labored. And if you're under heavy loads of perfectionism and pride, and I will give you rest. I would submit to you that loving God begins with being loved first, knowing that he's with you, even in your weakest, most vulnerable places, Messiah, Jesus, with you. Being with the one that loves you and experiencing that love is a beautiful ongoing expression. It's a flow through of what's going on in the Godhead. Let's Let's look at that like one more time. God so loves his son, the son loves his father, and that love expresses itself through the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is now tabernacled with us and in us. And as it says in Romans, because God loves has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. It's a theory of proximity, which states, within the realm of social psychology, the proximity principle accounts for the tendency for individuals to form interpersonal relations with those who are close by. Now, this proximity principle is kind of like when you first meet someone you kind of like them. feels like they're safe and they're fun. You want to spend more time with them. It feels mutual. You want to be with them, near them, talk and listen and be close, have a friendship. Well, Jesus is in our midst. And are you close to him? By being with him and seeing him, you become like him. This is the transformative nature of loving God and loving others. The Pharisees had a chance, but they didn't see the opportunity. They were too busy memorizing and studying. Just two chapters later, with Jesus dealing with and confronting a ton of hypocrisy, religious spirits, and talking about deception and other light topics, he says these words, Because the increase of wickedness, love of many will grow cold. This word wickedness is a Greek word, porneria, which is also translated as iniquity. It's also defined as a pain-ridden evil, which refers to pain, pure and simple, resulting in toil, then drudge. It's more than simply missing the mark or sin. It's a pain-filled life that leads to toil and drudgery. This is what kills love and ices the possibility of love being present. May I suggest the proximity of Jesus is the answer that melts an icy heart and heals the pain that gets in the way of love? Here at Christmas, as we look at love that comes down, visiting us, vulnerably open, meeting our humanity, standing in our midst, the Messiah, an open invitation to be loved in his presence, deeply experiencing his pleasure and acceptance, and then go out from there in that overflow and do the same thing. This is how we love. This is why we love. And love never fails. 
I'd like to close out our time together by speaking a blessing over you as you listen. Father, here in this moment, I thank you for those who are listening. Would you bless them as they pause here with a sense of your proximity to them? The warmth of your presence. You are here. You are with us. You've come down with your great affection, love, grace, and friendship to meet with each one. Do you bless their desire to please you with a fresh sense of, you do please me and I love you. There's nothing that we can do to make you love us more. And there's nothing that we can do to make you love us less. Love never fails. May the blessings of this season be richly with you in Jesus' name.